Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDM Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demacos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are really close, really close to kick off the Metaball season. So uh, we are drafting tomorrow. This is Tuesday. We are recording. We are drafting tomorrow with our TDM Fantasy Premium League. So excited to get that going. I got a draft coming up here with uh, in our sleeper league with Baron Davis and 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 Nan. So I got our I got to come back hot off my championship from last season. So I got to defend the title. Uh, and I know that Jamie's had a couple of drafts that have looked pretty good that he's been dropping in slack. So it's, it feels good because we're officially drafting, but that also makes the pieces of news that we're going to get into that much more uh, fantasy relevant and a little scary, right? So the first thing we're going to talk about here is Leonard Fournette being released, not traded, released from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this podcast has gone hmm, on a roller coaster ride of emotions on on Leonard Fournette. We've we've had thoughts, we've had uh, you know questions of manhood on the podcast. We've had a lot of we've had a lot of discussions around Leonard Fournette. But I want to stick to what do you do, Jamie? And I'll start with you. If you already rostered Leonard Fournette, because there are many people who have drafted already and they have mm-hmm. rostered Leonard Fournette. And they are losing their minds. Well, you can't really do anything uh, at the moment. Depending on his landing spot, I still think he can be a top 25 running back. He was number 15 for me before this. I'm not shocked that he's not with Jacksonville. I'm shocked he's not with Jacksonville because of a release. Uh, I I thought that they would either bite the bullet and deal with it for this season and move on, maybe midseason trade or trade him in the offseason. I did not expect them to just cut their ties right away here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he could possibly end up. And a lot of that's going to depend on, like we talked about in the pre-show, how much money he wants. Is he, you know, is because uh, I, I can't see him getting anything more than a one-year deal right now. I don't see any team handing him multiple years without him actually getting in their building, uh, seeing, how, seeing what his health is like, seeing what his attitude is like. Uh, you know, the, the Chicago comes to mind, becomes interesting because of the David Montgomery injury. Um, and because we, we could talk about like pie-in-the-sky scenarios and we could talk about realistic ones. Um, I, I think realistically, and this would be not great for his fantasy value right away, but I think a team like Pittsburgh could use that depth there. Uh, I think he would be a great fit for them there behind James Conner, who has his injury issues. Um, so that becomes an option. You kind of in wait and see mode. You can't, you're not dropping him. You're not going to trade him for 25 cents on the dollar in your league. You're kind of going to have to sit back and wait and see what transpires over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I think this is... This is like the upper level story, but like the lowercase version of the story. This is terrible news for those of you that have been stashing Devontae Freeman uh, because now there's another running back that's above him on the market. Uh, and that's going to kind of take away maybe his potential best opportunity. But I don't know. There's not, there's not a real like team to, to play or fit right now. It's like they have to sign him before week one or else they're screwed. There's not a fit like that right now uh, outside of Jacksonville. And we'll talk about that running back situation in a second. So you kind of SOL right now, but you also can't make a move. Uh, and at some point, he's going to play this season. He's going to sign somewhere. And even if he signs week four, week five, I mean, and he's part of a tandem. Like if for those of you that drafted Melvin Gordon last year, for example, 
that's a good kind of comp of you might still be able to get that RB2 value for the back part of the season. You're going to be in a bind the first couple of weeks, most likely. And, and week one, regardless, even if you sign somewhere tomorrow, it's going to be, it's going to be an pro- uphill process to get him ready and, and, it, game, and understanding the game plan, understanding where his role is going to be. And there is no lead back role. There's nowhere he's going tomorrow and getting 15, 18 carries week one, barring another major injury that happens after we record. So you're just kind of in a holding pattern at this point. And it, it sucks and it's, it's unfortunate, but I still think you end up getting potentially low-end RB2 value out of him when he plays. I just don't know where that's going to be or how long it's going to be until he does. Jake, Hopefully had- you listen to the show. Yeah, I was going right? to say. Hopefully and you went running switch. back heavy. Basically, Paige, I'm sorry to cut you off. The Jet, this just proves everything that I've said for two years. Every time I've called him out, they're done with it. There's other stuff going on in the locker room we don't know about, but the stuff we do know about, this is like, it proves all this. Now, I'm going to give you a landing spot. It's going to sound like a little bit of a sleeper, but it makes a lot of sense. The L.A. Chargers. Jamie just said the Melvin Gordon value. They love Eckler. They gave him the cheddar. Jackson's been solid, but they don't have a battering ram. Dude, I think this fits exactly with what, how they want to run their offense, and they can still let Eckler be what he was the last couple of years. Now, they overpaid him for, what, for that, but it makes a lot of sense because they're going to upgrade that position for a team that wants to run the ball a ton. Another one that comes to mind is Seattle. I can see them pulling this off and, and putting him in there. I've heard New England mentioned they got 97 running backs. I can't imagine he'd want to do that. I'm guessing somebody's going to put the claim in and deal with the $4 million. I would say there's probably five or six teams saying, let's hope he clears waivers and then we can figure something out with that $4 million. We'll give him a, sure. a bonus and an incentive package and we get through the one year. And if we like him, maybe we'll start talking about some stuff. There's, there's probably five. I'll tell you another one, the 49ers come to mind on another one that probably wouldn't mind having a battering ram dude you know he he fits a lot of people chicago jamie i mean i but i think the one that i haven't heard mentioned that i like is the chargers anthony lynn would love a dude to smash mouth with well the other team too is don't look too far away is the los angeles rams i mean right now henderson's dealing with a soft tissue injury you've got a rookie cam Akers. you like malcolm brown but that's not somebody that's going to be you're not building your franchise around him you know, that's a potential option. We'll know, not by the time we finish recording, but by the time you guys are listening to this, you'll know whether or not he was claimed. Uh, we'll find out by 4 p.m. Eastern today whether somebody is going to claim him off waivers. But uh, it, it becomes really interesting to see that somebody I'll tell you actually. another one, too. Sorry, Jamie. Got your Buffalo Bills. That is interesting. Yeah. I think that locker room could handle it because they'd ship his ass out in two or three weeks if he doesn't want to do it. But those running backs we talked about, neither one can really carry the load by themselves. I think if he learned the offense, he could be a 12 to 15 carry a week guy in that, and they could spell those other two guys. And let's get out in front of this before people say it. I, I, while from a football perspective, it makes sense. It doesn't from a cap perspective, and that's with the Eagles. I know that's the name everybody throws out there. They need, they need as much rollover money as they can, and that's why they're dealing with the situation they're dealing with on the offensive line right now. I, I just can't see them spent claiming and, and taking $4 million of cap space on Leonard Fournette. I just can't no. see it. As much as Thank they you. need some more depth back there, but I, I don't, they're, in, they're in cap hell coming up, so I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, they can't afford it, right? Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the fun game that Philadelphia Eagles fans are having every time there's somebody available. They look and they go, well, Eagles, Eagles. And you're like, yeah, that's nice, but you can't even afford your current football team. It's not happening. You don't have space. It's not – you don't have room. And I understand it. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that, that would like a Leonard Fournette. 
I think the other part of this discussion, as Jamie, you alluded to earlier, is what this does for the other backs in Jacksonville now, right? Obviously, how you're evaluating those guys, what that room is going to look like if you've already drafted some of those guys, what their value is now, who do you guys like the most? I think that's the dynamic that I'm most interested in as it sits right now, because as you said earlier, with Fournette, you drafted him, you got him. Don't trade him. You, you just got to stand pat and wait and see what happens here. He's going to end up somewhere. He's going to have value somewhere. Arguably, he could end up in a better situation because Jacksonville is not going to be a very good football team. So if he ends up in a better place with a better football team where they can use him and they aren't going to be behind in every game where they can't run the football, it could end up being a better thing for him. So I know that that's – I know – trust me, I get it. I've got tons of friends who've been texting me saying, what the hell do I do with Fournette? And I'm like, I know that this is – shit advice but you have to just wait you do Hopefully you, just... you went running back heavy early and you yeah. had three and you can put him on the bench and play a receiver as your flex yeah you just have if to you wait. didn't do that and you screwed look, the reality of it is too and it's not fun scenario but this is if you have to kind of like twist yourself into like rationalizing this it's better to have this happen to Fournette now than for him to get a three-week injury in week seven when you're dealing with bye weeks, when you're dealing with all this other stuff, now you're going to have your entire roster available to you to put in a flex spot or put in an RB spot, depending on who, you know, how many backs you have on your roster. You're going to be on the lookout immediately for any waiver wire acquisitions coming up in week one or week two. So again, it's not ideal, but this is a scenario that you can play yourself out of. And the reality is it's still, it's not quite like some of the other fantasy leagues where it's really a marathon, but it's a semi-marathon. Like I, I've seen plenty of teams start the year one and two, oh and two, one and three, and make the playoffs in fantasy. So, and, I, and I'm not saying that that's the difference between winning two games is Fournette, but what I'm saying is, is you can overcome it until Fournette lands with a team and finds somewhere because he's going to provide you value. Now, it might be flex value instead of RB two value, but that's not going to kill you. Yeah, Jamie. Okay, let's go through these. Yeah, Reichwell Armstead. Hang on, Jamie. Re- Reichwell Armstead. Yeah. Is that the dude? Is that worth? That's the one I, I mean, want. A lot the most. of leagues he didn't get drafted, right? He's probably sitting out there right now with people putting claims in before we ever play a game. But I think there's value there for sure. That's that's my pick of the bunch, and and you, there'll be a whole updated Eisner board once again. My final update coming on Thursday, so one week out of the season for everybody that's drafting on Labor Day weekend. Uh, I bu- I bumped him up to my running back thirty three. Uh, I, I like him a lot. He's a I know he gets he's usually more reviewed as like a, a ball carrier, but he's really fast. He's not just a thumper. He's fast. He's a pretty decent catcher. He got that opportunity week 17 of last year. I think he's going to lead the team in carries, but I do think it's also a boost in value. So he's inside the top 50 running backs for me for is Chris Thompson, because I think yep. he is now going to be on the field for a lot of third downs, a lot of two minute drills. Obviously we've talked about the connection he has with Jay Gruden. He's got to stay healthy. That's been the thing that's plagued him his entire career. But I think now with you don't have that established, running back on the roster. It's a lot easier to put Chris Thompson on the field to rotate him in and out. Um, so those are the two guys I would be targeting. I'm keeping an eye on Divino Zigbo, uh, but I, I, I think he's going to get a little bit of work. James Robinson's had a really strong camp, but I wonder if he's going to end up being a practice squad type guy um, as a rookie. So, I mean, there's some names to keep an eye on there, but Armstead and Thompson are two I'm drafting. And if you're in a standard league, it would only be Armstead. Okay. I wanted to know those were the three names I was going to bring up and you touched on 
Divino Zigbo. Uh, have to throw in, have to throw in my Husker there. I'm excited to see him a, a little bit there uh, and see what he can do. The other big running back news is something that the Saints were able to keep under wraps, which is really crazy uh, that they were able to keep this news under wraps for as long as they were. So it's now been reported that Alvin Kamara has been missing some practice time due to a contract issue. Right. So this now becomes, we said, Jake has said a lot. One of the biggest reasons he likes Alvin Kamara is he is excited because you're going in this season, going in to play for a contract. Now, all of a sudden we've got this news. Uh, What does this mean, Jamie? I'll go to you first when you're evaluating Kamara, because you're one of the people who really loves Kamara coming into the season. I think we all do, um, especially in, in comparison to a lot of where the other people in the fantasy community have him. How much does this scare you? Only a little. Um, so I, I read a recent report from Nick Underhill, uh, who does really good work there down in New Orleans. He said this is they, – they've been talking for a while. Both sides are extremely compelled to get a deal done, and it's not as – tenuous as it sounds when it gets released to the national media that, you know, that Kamara is out of practice. There's a few things they're working on. It sounds like based on that report that they're, again, we've talked about this before about the vanity of contracts versus the actual value appears. We're having a little bit of a vanity issue of what, what uh, the AAV is going to be versus guaranteed money. Uh, But that seems like they'll get that figured out fairly soon. Uh, I'm not worried yet. I, I mean, look, if you have to draft this week, I would probably, if you want to be safe, I, I would I would come to Jake's side and take Elliott over Kamara at three, but I'm not taking Kamara lower than four. I don't think this is going to be a long-term thing. Um, I'm curious to see what kind of deal they work out or if they do some sort of Melvin Ingram type thing of, okay, we're just, we'll guarantee you this year's salary and we'll work this out down the road. Because the Saints have their own cap issues they're going to have to deal with, particularly if Drew Brees retires. And then I believe it's a $28 million dead cap space that they would have next year if Drew Brees does not play for them. So they have some other issues they have to work around to get, that, to get any of these deals done. But I'm not panicked yet. It's something to note, and I understand everybody worried about it. But the fact that he was in camp all of this time, the fact the sides are close, makes me think maybe they're really close. And Kamara's like, eh, you know what? I'm not risking getting hurt in practice until that, that ink is dry. I'm not that worried because they can't win without him. But bullshit. This isn't a big deal. Nine days from the first game, and he's out for three days, and it's reported from the team as unexcused. Three days? Only in a COVID world are we getting away with the biggest, second biggest player on the team missing three days unexcused, and it goes unreported. It is a big deal, and there's no way they're going to say, we'll guarantee you your $2.1 million is going to be happy. The problem I have with this is I watched an interview with him last week. He was like, no, I'm worried about football. They'll take care of the contract stuff. Again, terrible timing. Dude, you can't miss three days right now. Like I said, they can't win without him. They got to get this done. So he's got the leverage. But this is a bigger deal than you're making out like that. Three freaking days two week, within two weeks of the season? That's a big deal. And it, the way it came from them is unexcused. And people were like, well, maybe it was excused and he was dealing with an injury. I talked to somebody at his camp. But if he's dealing with an injury, he's there. And Saints were like, no, this is unexcused. He missed three days. Unexcused means you can get fined. Hell yeah. Unexcused. Yeah, it means you are getting fined. So that's where I look at this and I go, I'm not, 
I'm not concerned as much as far as I think when I'm looking and I'm, I'm cause I'm going into a draft tonight that I have, and I'm, I'm going to take, if I'm, if Kamara's there at four, I feel comfortable taking him. Now I don't draft till the ninth spot. So Alvin Kamara's not going to be there at nine. Uh, if he is, then I'm going to push the yes button on Kamara so fast. You wouldn't even believe how fast it will happen, but that's where I think Jamie, your concern level is probably about where I sit from a football perspective, from whether or not it gets done or not. There's a lot of other things that obviously factor in, as you're saying, Jake, I just, I'm trying, they can't, as you said, they can't win without him. So I think this is going to get get done. done. It's going to get done. That's not an issue. They'll they'll all be copacetic. Everybody will be fine. If I'm drafting tonight at three, I'm taking Zeke over Camara just in case. Yes. It was already close enough for me. And I yeah, always, that's lean, fine. I always I, lean towards being a little safer. So I agree with Jamie hundred percent there. But yeah. And I, that's what I would do. Like, again, they're, they're it, it, get it done. and look, take, take a look at your own personal rankings as well. I mean, if, if you have it, you know, if you had somebody else, like let's say you had Dalvin cook in that group with it up there, I don't quite think there's a small drop, but then you take him like, this is the great tiebreaker right now. That's, that's how a lot of this uh, updated news uh, we're using. Look, this as could win your league. Things. If you're picking six or seven and Camaro falls to you because Ooh. of this, because you happen to be drafted early tonight while this is going on and it scares enough people, I'm not letting him fall too far. I'm just saying it was close enough that I had him and Zeke like right there anyway. I would go a little safer. But, yeah, this, this could be a huge break for somebody. Yeah. He, this... he's, he's playing week one. There's no way in hell they got the Bucks coming in week one. And ain't getting something done with Kamara that he's out there. Yeah, no, that's that's where I'm not as concerned. But yeah, I hope everybody that's playing in my league tonight, I'm really concerned, and you should definitely let him fall to me at nine. Okay, so please, 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 concern level 100, and you should definitely let him fall to me and let me draft him at nine. Uh, last piece of news before we get into our AFC South and NFC South questions is Derwin James. Uh, so very unfortunate news. Um, initially reported as a meniscus injury, thought, okay, maybe this could turn out to be not as bad. Now it's been reported by Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport that he is out for the season, six to eight months, right? So that's, he's not going to play this year. Um, Huge, huge loss for this football team. And as the um, pseudo fan club of the LA Chargers, because that's what this podcast is, it's just always something, man. Like this team, I swear to God, it's the water or something about their training or I don't know what the hell it is, but this team loses superstars more than any other team I can recall. And this is a massive loss. So Jake, you talk about this first because I'm devastated for this football team because this is not a loss that you can plug somebody in depth wise and fulfill. There's no replacing Derwin James. It's impossible. No, I mean, he does so much. He had what three picks, three sacks and a hundred tackles as a rookie. He was an absolute monster. He plays all over the field. He can cover the back end. He can blitz basically plays linebacker in the box when you need him to. And this defense is so freaking good with him out there. They're still really good. This is a gigantic loss. A total repair of a of a meniscus for a guy that's like 25. I've never heard of. John will let Jamie because he read the article a minute ago. Really talk about this, but it's basically it needs that long to heal, and it's not going to be a scope. Like I had a scope when I was playing. I was back in three four weeks, 100, percent and never looked back. Now I had another one at 40, and it was not as much fun. But as a young dude in the NFL, it's not that big of a deal. So that for it to be six to eight months, it's a pretty significant thing to be a, to be a meniscus. It sucks. I, I love the player. 
Yeah, Jamie, I want you to just discuss how this this uh, this football team they they just this is it just seems like the latest and greatest with this team. Like they're they're oh, yeah. always they're always losing somebody, and it's always it's always somebody major almost before the season starts, and inevitably it'll be somebody else down the line. And I don't know what it is about this team cursed. Uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's not good because this football team can't seem to stay healthy. The ghost of San Diego uh, coming. Yeah, something. Uh, So so the the difference here, and uh, this is courtesy of David Chow, who if you're a football fan on Twitter, you notice that he will tweet a lot. I think he works for OutKick now um, about injuries and and what can happen in speculation. But the difference here is they said there's the trimming of the meniscus versus the repair or sewing. Uh, of a meniscus and it's the latter one that's happening with Derwin James to be out this long Uh, and he kind of compares it to laying new sod versus trimming the lawn Uh, if you're looking at the difference between what is being done Uh, he says that given the meniscus has little blood flow um, that makes healing time for a repair longer uh, than it would if it were just to be a trim. And they're calling so, it a total repair, Jamie. That's the words that they. That that's use. that's the word that he said. But that's but again, he's not the one reporting that. The team just yeah. said repair. So yeah. I've heard complete um, repair for total repair. Yeah. None of none of it's good. And I don't know if he's ever going to be the same player, man. That's that's pretty significant stuff. At six to eight months to let it heal is a lot of stuff's got to go right there. It sucks. We're just losing. This has no fantasy value, really, but we're just losing a young, dynamic star in this league that's going to be a forgotten guy because he missed most of last year. Yeah, no, not not fantasy value, but as we discuss, as we go into looking at the lines, right, for the win totals and this next actually week. actually does have fantasy value, Pay Like, a lot of people are liking the Chargers defense. That was one I was picking up in the last round because people kind of forgot about because their defense is going to be damn good. They're still going to be good. But with him healthy, oh, dude, they were going to be – ridiculously oh, yeah. dynamic corners linebackers pass rushers now they got run stoppers in the middle and you had him going all over the place i think cool. i think the 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 worst part of this is and i shout out to good morning football because i was watching them monday morning and they were discussing this and showing these highlights the biggest part of this is there are very few people if any that have positive highlights against patrick mahomes one of those people is derwin james he has he has more highlights of wrapping up and getting to Patrick Mahomes than anybody else in the NFL. That is his job. As you are a team in that division who, by all accounts, when you look at that roster, you think, okay, that's the team in the division that could really, really push Kansas City, right? We thought about that last year. They've they've done it two years ago. Phillip Rivers and the Kansas City, those down the stretch, they did go into Kansas City and win a game. I mean, that's, this has been that, as Mahomes has, has really elevated, Derwin James has been the guy. He's, he's literally, I mean, they, and they said it. He's one of the few people, if any, that has positive highlights, and he's got quite a few. Because he's that so, unique of a player. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that combination of size, speed, and instincts doesn't really exist. And that sucks because that's his – this is the number one. When you look at the division, your job as the defense, you're going, how the hell do you stop Pat Mahomes? And they had an answer for it. At least contain him. Now, that guy's no longer on the field. That's a huge loss for this football team. And it has to help – it has it, – it does impact how we will look at – okay, if we thought there was maybe a 50-50 on a game in L.A., now you're going, eh, Kansas City's probably 
chalk on both those games, right? You're looking at – it's going to impact how we look at the divisions, how we pick the winners, who we think is going to end up seeding themselves for the playoffs, and he's the type of player that makes a massive difference. Um, so really, really disappointed, and hopefully for his sake and for our sake as football fans, he gets himself totally healthy so we can see him play at that, that level again because he's a joy to watch. Jamie, it's your turn to take over for the show. Uh, yes, it so, is. <laughs> the moment we've the all moment. been waiting for. <laughs> so he's going to take over and do the AFC and NFC South questions. Either your hair is getting longer or your head's getting bigger. One of the two. I can't, I can't tell, but I'll go, ahead. go ahead. Host us. Host us. Uh, well, let's start in the AFC South just because we've already been talking about them. But let's start with the Houston Texans. And I think that obviously the biggest question is not only how do they replace DeAndre Hopkins, but will any of the receivers that are there to replace him stay healthy? No and uh, impossible. So you can't replace DeAndre Hopkins. He's a top three player in his position. It, uh, there's no replacing him. Will Fuller is super talented, and I like him a lot, but the dude can't stay healthy. So I had this argument with a really good friend who's a Texans fan the other day. He's like, we're not going to miss DeAndre. We've got Will Fuller. And I said, that's an interesting argument, seeing as DeAndre Hopkins always played football, and Will Fuller never plays football. So that's where I'm going. I get, listen, I like Will Fuller. When Fuller's in the game, he's fantastic. But one, you're not, you're not replacing DeAndre Hopkins. You can't replace somebody who's, who is top three in their position, who is best hands in the league. Didn't matter what quarterback. He was quarterback proof. Okay, You're not replacing that guy. And none of your wide receivers can stay healthy. Prove it to me. Until that happens, I'm not taking a chance on any of those guys standing. I, I always say fan stands for fanatic. In that case, fan stands for freaking moron. <laughs> We're not going to miss DeAndre Hopkins? What? What? They're drinking One, the Bill, the Bill O'Brien sauce. It is pretty easy to be Will Fuller when D hops on the other side. Now, D, now Fuller's got to be that guy. He's got to be the dude. The one that I like here that nobody's talking about is Kenny Stills. If he can stay healthy, Kenny Stills had a solid career. He can play multiple positions. He's okay. But, no, I don't think any of them are going to stay that healthy. Brandon Cooks is like, I'm scared to death of his future when he gets done playing football. I've already said he should hang it up and be done. Those concussions last year for a little dude. Now, he's talented, but I don't know how much he's going to be out there. And, really, which one of those guys is going to be the well-rounded guy they go to when – when Watson was going to force it to DeAndre Hopkins all the time and he'd make that catch no matter what, who's, which one of those guys is it? Brandon Cooks is little, and Will Fuller doesn't run every route in the route tree because he didn't have to because D-Hop was over here. Is it Stills? I think maybe if Stills is playing in the slot, they could have some decent chemistry there. I, that could be okay. That's the, those three guys, I think he's the only one that's going to play the majority of the games. But I think they're going to be back to what we were talking about a couple years ago. This guy plays and this guy plays, and it's like this revolving thing around – Nuke, who was there every single week, as Paige said, the best ability is availability. He was always there. Watson doesn't have that chemistry with anybody else. He's got a great chemistry with Fuller when he plays. But my big question mark to this whole thing is, that's when DeHadre Hopkins was on the other side of the field. Yeah, that, that's going to be the key, too, because Will Fuller's going to see way more bracket coverage than he's ever seen in his entire life uh, now that Hopkins isn't on the field now, anymore. If so Cooks is there, Jamie, they can't do that with both. Right. And True, they're both speedy but, guys that can go deep. But I think you're just, you're playing basically cover two, maybe man under, if that's the case. But yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. He's still seeing more than he ever saw before. Yeah. And that, like that, that would be my, you know, that, that's one of my big concerns. And look, they're, they're not going to be able to, re you don't replace DeAndre Hopkins. Like it's no. not, not with the pieces they currently have there, not with 
you know, Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. I forgot and, about Randall Cobb. Yeah, Randall yeah. Cobb's going to be playing in a slot, but he's never, so they're guys. They're just, they're, I mean, they're like if it's fine. They have a bunch of guys that are fine. But the, pro- the problem is, and I'll tell you exactly, because this is exactly what my, my buddy who's a Texans fan, so shout out to Jake, my buddy who's a Texans fan, who wanted to argue with me. You think that the cumulative number of number two wide receivers you have, you can like add up together and it scores you a wide receiver one. That's not how this works. You don't get to go, okay, well, like we've got all these guys who are wide receiver twos and we put them together and it's like kind of like having a wide receiver one. Because that's basically what he was arguing with me. And I was like, okay, that is the stupidest argument that I have ever heard. And this is so far past fanatical discussion that you have got to be Bill O'Brien's like scouting assistant or something. Because at this point, this makes absolutely no sense. So that's their – they're looking at all the assets and they're going, oh, look it, we've got – We've got a Randall Cobb. We've got a, that's nice. You don't have a wide receiver one. You've got a lot of guys. You've got a lot of twos. You don't have a lot of ones. Yeah, two twos and a three and a four. Yeah. And yeah. none of which stay healthy all the time. I'll tell you what we're going to learn is a lot about Deshaun Watson. So I still have question marks. He makes superstar plays. And he has a Michael Jordan factor, right? We none of us can deny it. He misses a lot of open people. Yep. He still throws bad picks. I'm still not real sure how he reads the field because he goes to Hopkins all the time and forces it. And his catch radius is so big, it makes it work. We're going to learn a lot about Deshaun Watson, the type of quarterback he is, going through this season with a bunch of dudes, as Paige said. Yes, and, and one thing you always have to learn about sports is, like, forget what you learned in school. One plus one does not equal two. Like, it just no. it does not. Like, it, it does not. You can't replace star potential with, you know, what two good players don't equal a great player. Like, it just doesn't – it does not work that easily. You went one minus wish. eight, and then you tried to add two a couple times to get back to zero. Yeah. It's not that simple. By the way, that, that goes for fantasy as well. I won't get into that rant, but we always tend to like minimize the differences between elite players and don't, don't do that. Uh, but back to where we're going here, AFC South, Tennessee Titans. Uh, biggest question here is, is probably the biggest question the actual team has as well. Can Ryan Tannehill do it again? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. His big question was staying healthy. He got a ton of confidence last year. And NFL confidence is everything. He knew he could do it. But he proved to himself he can be really, really good. They're going to run the ball. He's got weapons. Jonu Smith came on last year. I really like A.J. Brown's a freaking star. Corey Davis was okay. This will be his last year there, but he's okay. With those weapons on the field, and they don't ask him to carry the team. If anything, it's a lot easier to play quarterback when you run the ball that much and you play action off of it and you're athletic like he is. You're out in space. And now you got a guy how, – how long can a, a decent-sized corner cover A.J. Brown, who's a monster? Yeah, I think he absolutely could do it again. I don't know that they're going to ask him to do quite as much, but I think he can absolutely do what he did last year for sure. The stretch he had was unbelievable, right? There are certain aspects of that, especially strictly fantasy-wise, that I don't think are possible for him to sustain over a 16-game let, let me ask you why. Because if you break it down, right, he wasn't in four wides making super tight window throws. He was handing it off. Play action off of that. He's athletic. He can run. He'll get you a first down. He's going to get you some yards there in fantasy. He'll run one in for a touchdown. What makes you think, football-wise, which relates to the fantasy here, that he can't do the exact same thing? Because, because the team's not going to be as good? 
No, 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 because it goes back to what we always say about in football. This, a lot of the teams were seeing him schemed up for the very first time. Now we're going to have tape on him. They're going to be coming back around. Their schedule's pretty tough to begin the season. They play the Broncos defense, the, the Jaguars defense, the, the Vikings defense, the Steelers defense, the Bills defense, right out the gate. Those are their first five. That's why I look at that and I go, I don't really like that. Like, I don't, I don't really like there's, yeah, sure. You can argue the Vikings defense is going to take a step backward, but they, they added Yen, uh, Yannick and Gakwe and it's on the road in Minnesota. They play yeah, the Steelers. I'll, I'll give you the who Bills. they're playing. I yeah. don't think he's going to have any drop off in his play. Now he might be playing better defenses. And if you want to tell me the team's not going to be as good as they were last year when they got hot, I'll buy that. I just don't think it's going to be on him. I think okay. he's going to play at the same level. His fantasy value might drop because the team's not as good and they're playing some damn good defenses early, like you said. But I don't know that it's going to be on him. I'm buying him being the same player for them. Where do you have him ranked, just out of curiosity? I don't remember fantasy-wise. Do you remember? Uh, me, Jamie? I think I have him at, I have him at 21. Yeah, um, that's – My issue with Tannehill, it's not that he's not going to – so he, there's two answers to this question. One, he's going to do it again in terms of how it's going to affect A.J. Brown and some of those other pieces. He won't, I don't think he'll be as efficient. He was the most efficient quarterback in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, that's what I'm year. talking about. That's my concern because I, I think they're going to keep him in that like 17, 18, maybe 20-ish throws. You know, you're going to have a lot of games where he's going to throw the ball 20 times or a little bit less than that, which is going to, again, which will be fine for the real-life Titans, but it's going to be a concern if you're relying on him in fantasy just because the volume is going to not be there. Like, I'd rather give me a guy that's not as efficient but is going to throw the ball 30 times a game. Uh, but in terms of the weapons around him or in terms of the Titans as a team, I don't see any reason why no, – I'm not picking them to go back to the AFC Championship game, no. but I don't see any reason why they can't be as good as they were as a regular season team last year if you take it in totality. Yeah, I just think his efficiency is going to be – the way that they play and what they ask him to do, there's a lot of open guys because there's a big play. Now, if somebody's stuffing the run and it's going to be on him, that's asking them to, him to do a little something different than he did last year. But if they're playing the same way – he throws to a lot of really open guys because they play action off of that so much. Well, uh, we'll see. I think I think football wise, it's fine. Like they're the Titans are going to be a fun. Like they're I'm going to pick them to go to the playoffs. I like it. I just I'm don't not, think I'm not picking I, them to go to the playoffs, and I'm not I, picking them to win the division. But I don't I don't think that they I don't think that they're going to be. Um, I don't think he's going to be as good fantasy wise. Like from a quarterback perspective, I think I have him about where Jamie has him, which would in a in a quarterback league in a normal league, I'm not starting him. He's not a top fifteen. No, no, no I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. Okay. Jamie, what's, uh, what's next on the list here? Yeah. So next is the Indianapolis Colts and is a a situation that I think we've talked about before, but I want to touch on again, uh, especially for early in the season. Are we giving up on Marlon Mack too soon in the fantasy community? Yes. Yes. We're giving up on him too soon. He's the starter right now. They're not starting Jonathan Taylor yet. They're not handing the rookie the reins, but Marlon Mack's been damn good for them for a couple of years. I think Taylor's going to prove to be split carry guy and maybe take over the majority of the load eventually. But yes, we're giving up on him too early. I'm seeing him not drafted when running back is when, when Jonathan Taylor is going the fourth round, Marlon Mack's going 12th, 13th, they're going undrafted. That's insanity to me. There's damn sure a place for him on this team. He didn't catch it very well. So Naheem Hines is going to fit some of that role. And I think really that's where Jonathan Taylor is going to take over later. Gonna be on the field more for taking away from Naheem Hines, but yeah, Marlon Mack has value and is a damn good player. 
I think the Jonathan Taylor train is, and this is coming from somebody who called Jake from the combine to freak out about Jonathan Taylor. Okay. So let me be very clear. I, I have watched Jonathan Taylor. I'm in my, my college uh, plays in the big 10. So I've been watching Jonathan Taylor kick everyone's ass for a long time. Okay. I know, I, I know exactly who he is. I'm excited for him as a football player. I say all that to say that hype train is out of control right now it is out of control in the fantasy community and it goes to what we preach on this podcast a lot and that is that you have to separate what you want to happen and what is going to happen and you cannot draft with what you want to happen and that is what everybody across the board in the fantasy community is just all salivating over Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis and I am excited about his long-term future and if you are a dynasty league this is a totally different conversation but he has had three weeks to prepare basically he's gonna end up having a month to prepare to be in this offense. And you're going to tell me that Marlon Mack doesn't have a role that he, that he's not a part of this offense. I, I don't get this. I don't get he's this at starter all. starter in week one. He is the slated starter. That's By the way, whoever a, plays behind this offensive line is going to have success. I have exactly Jonathan right. Taylor higher than I have DeAndre Swift because of that offensive line, the way they want to run this offense. But I look at him from a draft capital draft perspective very similar you're hoping to get him in the back half like jamie's talked about a lot with swift who might win you your league but i'm not drafting jonathan taylor in the fourth round i hope to play him in the first eight weeks he drops no. me in the fifth and i'm gonna have two running backs two receivers and i'm looking okay but i'm not going any higher than that because he's not the starter they might split no. carries it might be 15 15 if he runs it 30 times but yeah. that means marlon max getting 15 and he takes it to the house with that offensive line they're both gonna have success yeah, Marlon Mack is – they want to keep them both fresh. Yeah. They think they're going to be really good. So neither one of them I don't see really taking over the whole load unless one of them misses a week. And yeah. the game Hines is still going to play on third down. I have nothing else to say. I think this is one of the things I look at the fantasy community and I go, y'all are stupid. Like, this happens every year. It's the Montgomery stuff. It's the Montgomery effect last year. Jamie, let me ask you this. Does it affect Marlon Mack more or Naheem Hines more? the more Jonathan Taylor plays. Because I know he catches it better than people thought coming out, and he worked really hard this spring and summer on it. I think it still it probably affects Mac more, but I don't think you're drafting Mac at this point expecting him to be on your starting lineup for the fantasy playoffs. You're drafting Marlon Mack as a player, or you're picking him up depending on how, you know, how weird your league is. Uh, by the way, that's a great option. If For whatever reason, if you're a Leonard Fournette owner and Marlon Mack is sitting there, pick him up and figure it out until you know, Mac starts Absolutely. to get phased out. Absolutely. But again, this is like, like you said, it's the phrase I used last year. It's a phrase I'll use every year. And there's a difference between what we want to happen and what's most likely to happen. And yes, everybody loves prospects. Everybody loves the rookies coming in. Everyone loves the, the next thing. And by the way, if they don't perform right away, we forget about them the next year, which is very odd. But it, it just becomes this thing. I love Jonathan Taylor. I like him in the second half of the year. I think he'll be an RB2 at that point. But I'm not taking him as a top 20 running back right now. And Marlon Mack going outside the top 40 running backs in a lot of leagues, I would take a chance on him because you know what? You still need points. Matchups in weeks one through eight matter just as much as matchups from week nine to 13. Like all those wins count. Uh, you can't just think about, well, fantasy players, fantasy players. Well, if your team is two and six because you made poor decisions, but I'm glad your team is set up for the fantasy playoffs. Like it just, you have to be able to make, again, I'm not, no one's saying draft Mack over Jonathan Taylor. But what we're saying is, is, don't give up on some of these guys where I'm seeing like, and not to this extent, but I'm seeing like Mark Ingram drop and I'm seeing all these other things. Like what is most likely to happen? What is the most likely scenario for these players? 
And it's that the starters that have been there and are established are going to still have a significant role and rookies will slowly be worked in otherwise. And I think that continues to get forgotten when we talk about any of these players. Uh, Last team in the division, Jacksonville, obviously there's a ton of questions about the running backs now, but let's focus on their big receiver that everybody's drafting, DJ Chark. Were his late season struggles an aberration or a sign of things to come? Uh, Last year down the stretch, he was a number five overall wide receiver through week 11 and then was outside the top 55 on a per game basis the rest of the way. Are you worried about that? Is that just normal ups and downs or was that a sign a lot like we talked about last week with Joe Mixon of be a little bit of cautious about where he's going in terms of draft value? I was, and now they got rid of letter Fournette, which tells me they're happy with what they have and they're going to throw it a little bit more than we were expecting and not just hand it off to Fournette 30 times. He's their number one guy. He was great. But I had him. I picked him up in week two off the waiver wire. I had him. He was awesome for like eight or nine weeks. And then he disappeared. He had the ankle injury, some other stuff. He also was a rookie going, and you're talking about, okay, year two off season. Yeah, I mix, people are overdrafting him, but there's value there for sure. If he drops a little bit, I think he's a really solid player. I loved him coming out. He's more run after the catch guy. Uh, but he's kind of developed into a do everything, and Minshew loves him. So I was worried about it because I thought they were going to run it too much. But now that they got rid of Fournette, I think they're going to put a little bit more on Minshew, and I think they're leaning on Chark. I'm I'm with you, Jake. I think you're you have to have had a, a certain level of concern, but the Leonard Fournette stuff does make you think. Okay, they they feel comfortable. Uh, whether or not that's the truth or not, uh, whether or not this is going to be a, a big impact, um, them losing Leonard Fournette is is to be answered by when we watch this football team but I do think Jamie it does concern me a little bit right I'm not like massive concern but I can't look at that I mean that is a huge drop off that is not like oh okay I was here and then I I I slipped down one tier those are two completely different discussions so there you, you have to think you got most of his time last year was in one category. So it might give me a little pause where I'm looking at two wide receivers and I might feel more comfortable going one way or the other based off of, okay, I've seen this guy do it more consistently. So I'm not going to take Chark where he is. That's it's splitting hairs type of thing. That's, yeah. that's, that, that I was, I was in that boat because I loved him last year, Paige. And I was like, all right, I got him and I got another guy. I'm taking the other guy because I was concerned. I might take him now. And the only thing I could say to you there was, he played 11 games as a rookie. It was damn good. Had an ankle injury. Dealt with that the rest of the year. But he also, thought, I think, kind of hit the rookie wall. And we talk about all the time, a, reg- a regular season, college football, all-star game, combine, draft, mini camp. It never ends. There's no break. And then you play that 11 or 12. How many guys do we see hit that rookie wall, right? 11, 12 games. And you're dealing with ankle injury and then your, your team sucks. I think he bounces back from that. So that, that doesn't concern me. That, that would be like me playing devil's advocate to your point. But there was enough concern. But I might take him now with Fournette being gone. All right. And, and, this, is, and this is kind of like the point of what this discussion is, is to kind of highlight some things. And I'll have a f- more of these actually coming out um, on, I guess, tomorrow. I'll have 20 thoughts on the 2020 season. It's little tidbits and notes, things that are kind of thought-provoking to kind of make you rethink or at least examine further some situations. But uh, I ended up settling somewhere in the middle. He's my wide receiver 25. Um, Again, he still finished as a top 20 receiver last year. Uh, But I think it is worth noting that that precipitous drop that happened late in the year. Moving on to the NFC South, let's start with the New Orleans Saints. Over the last three years, since they traded Brandon Cooks, the number three wide receiver on the Saints has averaged a grand total of 37 catches per season, and it's down to 29 over the last two years. 
Will Emmanuel Sanders finally be that number two option that Drew Brees can rely on in that offense? Yes. Yes. And they're saying Traquan Smith is going to have a breakout year as the number three guy. I think that's probably going to be more Jared (laughs) Cook, but uh, I'm not sure if I'm buying that. But, yes, Emmanuel Sanders, when healthy, is a damn sure two. And that offense could be a 1A. I think he brings – he's the best one they've had in a while. He's a lot better than Ted Ginn. The other guys, they've been trying to fit into that number two role. Uh, he knows his place. He knows he's the number two, but he also knows he's a damn good number two. He's a veteran guy that runs every route in the route tree. He's extremely quick, and he can run a lot of the underneath stuff. So, yeah, I absolutely think he's the best one that they've had in a while as a number two option. Yeah, I think that's the difference between the other guys who weren't getting as much and, and weren't seeing those those targets and receptions and, and Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders is the more talented guy, and I think that it would be – it would be a disservice to the Saints team to not have him as a focal point, right? That doesn't mean that Michael Thomas isn't going to be Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara is not going to be Alvin Kamara. That just means that this is another really, really good weapon that they have and probably one of the best weapons they've had as that number two slot. Because, uh, man, that's that's a hell of a one-two punch. Um, and you have to have that in this division because the other team in the division that they're going to be matching up against is going Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on either side. So and Julio you had- Jones and Calvin Ridley. And Julio, that's what I'm saying. Like, as, as far as one-twos in the league, this division is stacked. And I think that's where this is, this is that opportunity for a guy to elevate in that position alongside Michael Thomas, who's always going to garner that type of coverage. It was one of my favorite moves of the offseason. Big move. I mean, Big I, move. I, I love Emmanuel. I've known him a long time. My dad was in Pittsburgh when they drafted him at SMU. Great kid, great locker room guy, but veteran savvy. We love, Jamie, how much do we talk about him coming off the Achilles? We were like, dude, he can still run. Yeah, He can still get it. So I, I love it. I mean, I, it t- I hate that we're talking this much about the damn Saints and me loving it this much because you put Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cook, and Kamara. Whew. That's a four. You that's, like that. That's tough dudes in space. And if Traquan Smith is a thing as the other dude, I, I, don't, you know, I don't like them in 11 personnel very much. No, it's a lot of talent there. And, yeah, I, I think Sanders is a borderline top 40 fantasy wide receiver. Uh, I know that's been considered low by some. I still want to see. I mean, because T- Thomas and Kamara are going to soak up so many targets that it's still going to limit his fantasy value a little bit. But I- I'm very curious to see how he fits in. I think he's going to be excellent. And by the way, playing 17 regular season games last year coming off an Achilles is remarkable. And look good. Yeah. It looked fast. Like, yeah. And with a new quarterback and a new team doing, you know, it was, yeah. Yeah. Just a good uh, addition. The perfect personality, too, to throw into that receiver room. Perfectly fine being the number two to Michael Thomas's Superman. Moving on to the next team. This player finished as the running back 14 last year, is on a new team. Does Todd Gurley have one more RB1 season left in him? No. With no competition in Atlanta. Jake says no. No, and do not, as my, it's like my do not touch of fantasy. Oh, I want to say yes so bad. I just call it gut feeling or being burned on running backs in the past, in my past fantasy draft life. I just don't have a lot of faith in this Atlanta team. I think that's a lot, a lot of part of it too. Um, I think they're going to be down a lot of games, throwing the ball and not going to Todd Gurley as well. I think he's just outside. I think that's where I'm like, I don't feel comfortable enough to say that he could have a top 12 season. I feel comfortable enough to say he could end up at the high point somewhere between like 13 to 20. 
right? That's kind of where I think the high point is for him. I don't think he, he gets himself into the top 12, but I'm saying it's like lukewarm. Like I, like I, I like I want to put him in there. I just, I, I can't. And I, he and had, I know look, he had a bunch of games in LA where he had like 55 yards rushing, but he had two touchdowns. Yes. The only way this happens is that they have a, he's still a monster in the red zone screen game. Hand it off, goal line. If he gets a ton of touchdowns close, I don't think he's going to do a lot between the 20s, to be honest with you. I think they're going to throw it all over the place. They might lean on him in the red zone with that spread open offense gets shrunk down, and he's still really good. So if that's the case, to play devil's advocate to myself, is he could have a monster year in the red zone, then maybe. But I, I'm still not touching. I, I think there's going to be weeks. Dude, he's playing on turf with an arthritic knee. It's not no. a good combination. I don't think he has more than 15 touches a week. Yeah, I have him as an RB two, and I think that's fine there. Um, I don't. I think he's a. I don't think he has particularly high ceiling. Like I, I would be, I'd be surprised if he finished in the top twelve. I really would be. Um, I, I think he's fine as an RB two. You know what you're getting. Uh, as I've said on a, numerous different articles, uh, I love if I'm able to get him and able to come back in the in a couple rounds later and get a DeAndre Swift, get a Jonathan Taylor, get somebody like that, where it's like okay. I think I can get borderline RB one production for half a season. And then I know it's going to be touch and go from that point, And I have somebody else I could insert right in the lineup from there on out. Um, I, I like it. in that in that situation. Uh, I think the biggest things going for him is that there is the lack of competition in the backfield. And the fact the offense is going to be good and the defense is going to be bad. Uh, I think it's a good combination, but Dirk Cutter still is death on running backs. Say, when are uh, they ever going to feature him though in that offense? That's so good. It's in inside the, the 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, in, inside the 20. Uh, so again, I'm fine with him as a mid mid level RB two. I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, but I think expecting a lot more than that is you really just basing that on name value and name value alone. Uh, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team we know nothing about. Uh, <laughs> This question is going to come up as always, and, and I'm, I, I know we're all tired of answering it, but I, we will get it until I think the day we die. <sighs> Who is the running back you want to own in Tampa Bay? Ronald Jones. Ronald Man. Jones. He, I'm telling you right now, he's going for over 1,000. He's going to have 40 catches. He is going way too low in drafts. You he's heard the it. Dude. He's the dude. They're making him the dude. He's going to run for 1,000 yards. Hit 800 last year, splitting time. Got better, gained weight, catches it better. Is he going to play on third downs? I don't know. Probably some, but he, they're going to run the ball. They're not going to be down 14 to start games. They might still throw it 38, 40 times, but he's going to touch the ball. He's running for 1,000 yards. He's the guy you want. So to Jake's point here, because I so carefully watched every Buccaneers game last year. In, in fact, was at one of the Buccaneers games live to, to watch this happen, okay? There is such a under, whether it's we don't watch the film or, and I hate that I go back to this and I become the watch the tape person, but I've become, this is where you guys have all forced me to go because you clearly did not watch the Buccaneers last year and have an understanding of how often they were not able to do what they wanted to do because Jameis Winston put them in a position to be out of the game script very early on and they didn't get to run the football and Ronald Jones didn't get to do what he was supposed to do. And Oh, by the way, this off season, he has had a phenomenal off season and Bruce doesn't throw out praise easily. Okay. That does not happen. So I think this is, I have been asked this question more than I have been asked any other question. So Jamie, I'm happy you brought it up again because it gets asked on Twitter through text, through my friend constantly. Ronald Jones is the running back I want in that offense, period, end of story. 
I don't want to be asked again. So this is my last time I'm answering it for you because it ain't changing from now until next week when they kick off. So it, today is Tuesday, September 1st. Unless there is knock on wood, any injury issues or anything like that, I want Ronald Jones. That's the, that is the running back that I'm rostering, period, end of sentence. Please stop asking me. Paige, to your point, like the defense struggled through the first eight weeks and they got really good. And it just wasn't complimentary football to them running mm-hmm. the ball. But we go back a year ago, Peyton Barber was a starter. Ronald Jones was splitting time, and those carries he had were explosive, but he was still really young and immature. He's only 23. He's yeah. Sean Vaughn, who they draft, is older than him. Okay? The difference here is the Tom Brady effect. The better question is, is there another running back on the Bucks roster that's worth owning in fantasy? Because Ronald Jones is the dude you want. It, does it become LaShawn McCoy, who's looked really good? And is that who whoever Brady ends up having that chemistry with? I thought it might sneakily be Logan, who got hurt and, and tore a quad and is now out. But I thought he could sneak because he runs 4-3 and he's always explosive, really good return guy. Uh, Sean McCoy is that veteran guy. Dario Gumbawale, our favorite name to say, is still a thing. He's going to be on the team. There's other guys there. I'm not sure. And Keyshawn Vaughn's a rookie that missed the first week because he was on the COVID list. He's not pushing Ronald Jones yet. And I don't know that he's going to unless Rojo gets hurt. I'm telling you, he's going to turn into a freaking star. If you didn't watch him and the carries that he had last year, put on the Rams tape. Put on the Rams tape. Put on the freaking Seahawks. He, he's going for over 1,000 and have 40 catches. Do you want to own anybody else in that backfield? Not yet. Yeah, not yet on that part. Look, I'll continue to say it this way because I, I feel like – this is the last time we'll address this unless there's an injury in the backfield because I'm tired of answering this. I feel like I'm repeating myself. I and mean, we know we have a bunch of listeners that are probably tired or sick of hearing me say it or us saying it. Ronald Jones will be given every chance to succeed in the Buccaneers backfield. And the only player taking the job away from Ronald Jones is Ronald Jones. I, I, there's just, there's nothing else. There's no other way I can put it. If Ronald Jones isn't successful, they're not going to bash their head into a brick wall for 16 weeks. They'll figure it out. I'm telling you he's going to be successful. But he's going to be given every opportunity, and he flashed at times last year. Let's forget about the, uh, the atrocity that was his rookie season with a different coaching staff. That was a disaster, but that's not what last year was. He showed improvements. Uh, am I a little concerned that he might not be on the field as many third downs as you would hope in the ideal scenario? Sure. But I still think he's going to be somebody that you're going to like in a flex spot more often than not, particularly maybe not week one, but I think more often than not, you're going to like him in that flex territory there. So that's the best way we can answer it. And right now, he would be the only, um, he would be the only Buccaneers guy who really would be excited about rostering uh, at a running back spot right now. Uh, I kind of want to wait and see who's on there for third downs. I'm not super high on Vaughn. We'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on to the last team here, the Carolina Panthers. They have a lot of receiver talent, but they've all been kind of used in different ways. How do all these guys, the addition of Robbie Anderson, you already have Curtis Samuel, you have DJ Moore. How do they fit in this new Matt Rule, Joe Brady offense down in Carolina? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with I, you. I mean, Joe Brady is great, but this ain't the SEC. <laughs> this is the NFL. And Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw it like Joe Burrow. He's really good. He doesn't turn it over. I love Teddy. It's not a knock on him, but they threw it all over the freaking place at LSU. With a, probably a better receiving core, if we're being completely honest. Uh, no, with a better receiving core. Um, DJ Moore is the only well-rounded, full receiver that they have. Robbie Anderson doesn't run every, every route in the route tree. Curtis Samuel is still a tweener uh, that's learning to play the position. I, I, I can see them being a ton in the shotgun. A ton. I can see them running some 
read option, RPO stuff, splitting McCaffrey out, running those little slants that he runs so well. I don't know that his role changes, but the rest of them, I don't know. And their defense is awful. So like they lost, they lost like nine starters. Like you can't say that they're going to be good. We have no idea what they're going to be because that's all brand new. And they're like five rookies. Uh, their offensive line's not as good as it was. I have no idea. And I totally agree with you. This is one of those um, that I've also had lots of discussions on, and that is that DJ Moore is getting overdrafted by a lot of people. There's a lot of excitement about DJ Moore that I just do not want to take part in. Um, I don't know what we're going to – I don't I don't think it's possible for any of us, fantasy analysts, I don't think there's anybody who can tell you what this offense is going to look like. You have never seen Matt Rule coach in the NFL. You do not know what this is going to look like. This is a new quarterback with a new system with mostly new players. There is so many variables here. So I am not buying any of this. By the way, Brady was only the co-coordinator at LSU. It wasn't his offense. Listen, it reminds me a lot of the Sean McVay effect, right? Where it was like this, that you're so enamored with this, with what happened. And I'm not downplaying. Listen, LSU had an excellent season. But what we just talked about matters, okay? We all collectively had to pause and think about whether or not Joe Brady is coaching a better offense, skill position-wise, in the NFL than he was in his college football team last year, okay? That is a real legitimate question because uh, Joe Burrow, by all accounts, is – you could put him in the same category with Teddy Bridgewater, and the wide receivers that they had at LSU are better. I mean, that's, you're talking about all, uh, superstars. So that should give you reason to pause about all of this, because I think the hype is coming from, oh, this is Joe Brady and this is wide receivers there. And they just insert in the fantasy community. Well, we're just going to see what we saw happen with Joe Brady and all those offensive skill positions at LSU. That is this, moronic. This whole team has too much hype. I've seen them. I've had, I've seen people saying they're going to make the playoffs. No. They had nine the new defensive starters with five rookies on defense. Colin Cowherd was one of them. Well, <laughs> in don't, the even NFL? Me, don't even get me started on that. Co- I don't Colin hate Coward all just of Colin's shake. Some of the stuff's pretty good. No, but like, but I like what's going on in Carolina. One out of every five Colin Cowherd takes, I truly believe he actually does not believe and just wants to say to get promotion. Yeah, like, it's, every, good, it's, it's like good, good producers. That's good, good point. Yeah. But like, I can, the only thing I can see with DJ Moore is, okay, he had this season last year and he has an upgraded quarterback. True. But that doesn't mean they're running the same plays, same offense. They are going to run a lot of those RPOs still, which he runs pretty well. Uh, Teddy throws well. And Teddy's not going to turn it over. But I honestly have no idea. They don't have the weapons for me to be high-flying offense. And that didn't really fit in Teddy either. I, I, I'm, staying, I'm staying away from this DJ Moore hype that I've seen, especially at the ADP. Like, I don't want any shares of that. No, thank I'm you. Fi- I'd be fine with DJ Moore around wide receiver 20, not wide yeah. receiver 10, where he's going. Like, yeah, I no, just, thanks. Uh, and again, it, you know, Bridgewater is not going to go down the field enough, I think, for Curtis Samuel to be a consistent option, or even Robbie Anderson for that example. So they're talented. They have talent. I don't know if they're good. I would say they're more talented than valuable the way they're currently set up right now. So oof, uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how this all works out. But I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, I, I have no idea how this is going to fit in, but I am not super optimistic. I did a, I did a fantasy draft last night uh, when I got home and was doing it on, uh, on Fantasy Pros. I was doing – I did a couple. I did three last night. And DJ Moore went – I think it was the, either the end of the second round, beginning of the third round. He was going, and I got T.Y. Hilton 
like three rounds after somebody took DJ Moore. And that's the point to me right there is that there's three rounds of difference. And I like T.Y. Hilton more than I like DJ Moore. And I just, to me, you're looking yeah, at these eight spots higher, actually. on my Yeah. Rankings. I just, I don't, I, I don't understand how people don't account for the fact that this off season is so short and this is, everything is new. Everything is new in Carolina. Everything quarterback, head coach system. Like you're, you, there is so much to learn here to just get prepared to play, let alone to play at a high level. I, I don't, I don't get this one. I've seen Carolina. Like you said, I think it was, I think it was Cowherd. And I looked at it and I go, you don't actually believe that dude. Like, there's no way. Like I have Carolina in the tape for Trevor sweepstakes. Like they're going to be down at the bottom. They're the fourth best team in the division of four. Like, by a I mean, long shot, by a long shot. Uh, by a long yeah. shot. Although for people that are looking ahead, uh, for those of you that are check down enthusiasts, boy, do we have a fun week one matchup with the Raiders at Panthers. Get ready for those five yard check downs between Derek Carr. I got McCaffrey and, and Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater. Bring, bring it on with the get with ready. Oh my God. The check, check down, down city. Check down. Enthusiasts. <laughs> Oh, Jamie, you did an excellent job hosting today. Uh, there was a lot. There were opportunities for me to get all riled up, which was fun. Because I, I honestly, there's some fantasy takes more so this year than I can remember in the last few years that are just I got one for you I saw yesterday on a major, major network that has NFL in it. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. The one running back you don't want to draft is Aaron Jones. Dude, I, this the is. The entire argument was touchdown regression. To sure. the point where it made him, Jamie, to the but he point had 19. where it made him, him undraftable. Well, I mean, look, it, it, NFL Network, which I'm assuming this was on, uh, their fantasy coverage is, is not, I, not – I'm not going to disparage any individual that works there, but as a collective, uh, it, is the, it is very amateur hour. And I don't know this why. That's a bad take. Uh, but that's a terrible take. Look, no. Is Aaron Jones going to score 19 touchdowns this year? Absolutely not. Nobody on earth. I don't think even Aaron Jones is predicting Aaron Jones is going to score 19 touchdowns this year. But to predict, even if he goes, he has half. Even if he has, let's say, like 10 or 11 touchdowns, he's still a first-round running back. I think he's going to be closer to 15. Where else is the ball going to go? Al oh, Lazard? Oh, the, the, uh, the, other, uh, the, other, the other take was that A.J. Dillon's thighs have the internet buzzing. And somehow that affects Aaron Jones's fantasy. Dude, this, this, this I'm is... going to die on that. I don't give a shit about AJ Dillon's thighs. AJ <laughs> Dillon is the number three running back on the depth chart right now that might get some goal line work at times. He's 245, yeah, 50 pounds. He should have big thighs. So what? I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't, this is, this is the rookie hype that just drives me insane. It's not even rookie hype. It's stupid. It's just stupid. A picture. Listen, I get it. The guy's a physical freak. Aaron Jones is the number two option in this offense behind Devonta Adams. Period. End of story. They do not have depth at skill position. Okay. He is a focal point. He took a massive step forward last year. This team is going to run the football with Aaron Jones. I do not understand this. This is. to him. He was exactly. a number two fantasy running back last year. Number he two. Proved he's a phenomenal receiver out of the backfield. That's why I love him so much. Yeah. This shout out to Chris. Shout out to Clutch. He said, Y'all are forgetting about <laughs> St. Brown. Equinemius St. Brown. Oh, yeah. Brown. Because yes. Oh, and Reggie Bagleton and yeah, Reggie. You know, some, 
I don't know, like some Listen, Mercedes Lewis. And I had to throw that in there because I saw it yesterday. I was like, I got to bring this up on the show. This is this, this they're is not one fantasy take yesterday on NFL Network. I, Come I, on, man. Come I don't, on. Un- I don't understand how in the same sentence, and I have seen this from fantasy analysts and NFL NFL writers, where they have the Packers winning the division but they have Aaron Rodgers as an undraftable player. Let me tell you how quickly the Green Bay Packers will not be making the playoffs if Aaron Jones is not a top player in fantasy football because that will assume that he got injured. And then that will assume that the Green Bay Packers are not making the postseason. By the way, there's an argument to be made that he wasn't really the featured dude even last year. My argument why I didn't want to draft Aaron Jones that high is because he never played in third down because Williams is such a great pass blocker. And then he became such an effective pass receiver. He played a ton down the stretch. This is the first season he's going into week one as a three down back. Yeah. And he, he was going to be out there guys. a lot more than he's ever been. There's chances that he puts up another 1500 plus yard year total. And that is okay. Say it's 12 touchdowns. I think he might have more yards than he had last year. And Jamie, again, where did he finish last year? Number two behind some guy uh, named Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I think we can end this conversation. And if just do not do this, do not talk yourself Look, out of drafting Aaron Jones. I'm fine. If you like, I have, he's my RB five. I'm fine. If you think that's too high, but if you think he's anything but an, an RB one, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't fathom that argument. Can't talk to you. I don't even want to talk about fantasy football with you. If that's your take. Literally, I don't, because I think that's so stupid. I just, there is nothing ground in reality that tells you that that is going to happen. Nothing. There is nothing that tells you that that is going to happen. They're also all the guys that are a year too late on Dalvin Cook. Taking him number three over Zeke and Kamara. I'm going to start to watch it. Tyron Matthew and I had a, had a, had a dialogue on Twitter in mid-March, and it was surrounding the fact that PFF, and I'm going to call them out in this because it's, people are going to know exactly what we're talking about. They had Darius Slayton rated like some stupid number, right? Some dumb number based off of whatever statistics they were throwing around. And Tyron Matthew quote tweeted it and said, watch the tape, okay? Just watch the tape. Then, and he's like, this, this ranking is so dumb. Watch the tape. This is, this is where I feel about Aaron Jones. Watch the tape. What are you founding this new thing on? He's the second. He finished number two behind Christian McCaffrey. Did they add some pieces that I don't know about? We just literally named their Reggie Bagleton. Are these names made why, up? That's why fantasy football <laughs> is not just analytics and stats. Half of them don't even make sense. Oh, my God. I'm Again, like, th- this is so what I w- dumb. I will plug this again. Become a TDM premium member. Look yes. at the Eisner board. Look at my projections for Aaron Jones or whomever. And then come back and say, what do you think is not realistic? What do you think is not going to be repeated there? Uh, again, this is not just, we're not throwing, oh, well, he was rated in number two, and so he must be. No, this is based in fact. This is based on, I looked at, I looked at every, every run he had last year, every catch he had last year, what his averages were, what his per target, all that, and I came to a projection. And this is where he lands for me. A conservative I, projection. Yeah, and it's still RB5 for me. Yeah. So at that point, or again, you can argue like Cook would outscore on a per game basis, but I don't have Cook playing a full season. But so wherever you have him there, he's still a, a top half RB1 for me. Go in there and tell me what you think he can't do. Because there's no reason to believe he's any more injury prone than any other running back because he hasn't suffered one. There's no reason to believe that A.J. Dillon is going to get 150 carries this year. It's not happening. It's just – it's not. Because he has 
thunder thighs? I literally don't understand this. Look, AJ Dillon will get some work. Jamal Williams will get some work. No back in any system gets 100% of the work. It doesn't happen. But are they going to get a significant enough to really eat into Aaron Jones' value? I don't think so. No, for the first time in his career, he's a three-down guy going into week one. Yes. He's never been that until the end of last season, and he shined in that. I am – I have to stop this podcast and we have to get to final thoughts because I am physically ill that I am sitting here defending Green Bay Packers players. It's making thing. me sick. If Devontae Adams misses time like he has every year, his value goes up. Jones might get those 19 touchdowns oh my again. God. Like I just so I just I don't it's I don't so understand dumb. what I don't understand what the argument against him, especially at his current ADP. His current ADP is like mid to late second round. I don't understand how you could Ever the argue best value that. of any draft out there right now, period. Yeah. He's him and T.Y. Hill. Yeah. Yep. Him and T.Y. T.Y. Keenan Allen, Tyler Boyd, and yep. who am I missing? And Devontae Parker. There's going to be four receivers and then yeah. Aaron Jones. I got yep. a Keep white. I got Parker's injury, though. That's, that's yeah. one little tip for everybody because he's banged I, up right now. But I otherwise, got, I, yes. I have a whiteboard, and there's going to be a all TDN fantasy value team going into the season. And we're going to see where their ADP ends up and where they end up at the end of the year so we can come back and say, dunk on everyone because I know what's going to happen. It's, it, it's, yeah, that's exactly right, as Jake does a dunk uh, on our Post video coverage here. <laughs> uh, Jamie, final thoughts on today's podcast. Uh, my final thoughts are keep an eye out uh, on the draftnetwork.com for Thursday. There's going to be so one week before kickoff of the season, there's going to be a final Eisner board update for everybody that's drafting on Labor Day weekend. Uh, again, even if you're not in a full PPR league, you have full stat projections. So you can adjust it to whatever your league scoring is, whether you have weird scoring, this half PPR, something weird, weird, different touchdowns for quarterback points, whatever it might be. Uh, you can adjust all of that to your own league rankings because you can see every stat projection. And keep an eye out uh, for all the content that we have coming leading up to the season. There's going to be some really interesting stuff. Uh, there's Stock Watch tomorrow, uh, 20 thoughts on the 2020 season, uh, little tidbits, news and notes to kind of keep an eye on. This is all the points where it's not just about being rooted in what you believe because that should be true. But a lot of these things are going to come and make you think a little bit or make you take a second guess or make you go back and do a little bit more research. There's a lot of things uh, right now that are swirling around in this crazy offseason to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, and some things that might have gotten missed late in the season last year. So all that's going to be available to you at thedraftnetwork.com. Jake, your final thoughts on today's podcast? Round one, running back. Round two, running back. Round three, potential running back. <laughs> Round four, start looking for those four guys. T.Y. Hilton, Devontae Parker, Keenan Allen, Tyler Boyd. You're going to have really good receivers on your bench, but you better go running back early or it's going to bite you in the ass. There's not enough of them. Jamie, you have another thought here. So I'll, I'll give you a sneak preview of one of my 20 thoughts because it, it plays okay. off of Jake's point. Just for the listeners here uh, of the TDN Fantasy Podcast, point number six, I have 52 wide receivers projected to score 144 or more PPR fantasy points. That is a nine points per week average this season compared to just 35 running backs. Just a little note to kind of be aware of. Back up there, yeah. Yeah, that's that analysis. uh, That's why you want to become a TDN Premium member. Uh, And you can see all the the rankings and everything that Jamie put everything together into into what he has on his Eisner board. And like he said, Thursday, it's going to drop latest and greatest. You can go into Labor Day weekend prepared to draft for your fantasy league. My final thoughts here are I am physically ill. I'm going to say it again. I have become this person who has to defend 
Aaron Jones in a freaking bear shirt. I am wearing a bear shirt defending Aaron Jones and it is making me sick to my stomach. But there are some things that are so stupid that I have to, in fact, come on behalf of Green Bay and say that this is a good, that you're, that everybody is wrong. And they are. I just, I really, truly, there are certain things where I can understand, okay, yeah, I could see that happening. I could see this happening. How in the world do you come up with that Aaron Jones goes from the second overall running back last year to being a undrafted running back this year? NFL Network, get better, man. That is ridiculous. That is so stupid. I, 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 I don't like taking shots at networks, but like that is so dumb that you deserve it. Every person that tells you how dumb you are, you deserve every, every bit of it today because that is, is moronic. The, this is the small victory for me on this podcast, making Jake talk good about the Saints and Paige talk good about the Packers. <laughs> this is really just, it's really satisfying for me to, to put uh, them in that situation. Somehow, some way I'm going to get you to say something nice about the Boston Red Sox at some point. Well, they have year. to win I'm a game again. Uh, by the way i've always talked good about the saints because you know i love sean payton and drew i just have to hate it now because we're in that division and yep. they're still yeah. really damn good there's home playoff games on the line yeah, yeah. and enemy number one now uh guys tell everybody how they can follow you jake first jake b arians on the twitter jamie follow me at jamie eisner on twitter you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy on Twitter and be sure to check everything out at thedraftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.